The following audio is from the chapel at Fishhawk. More information about the chapel at Fishhawk is available at www.thechapelfh.org. Well, good morning, chapel family. When I say he is risen, you say, if you want to, he is risen indeed. So ready? He is risen. He is risen indeed. You have all just been converted to Presbyterians. Welcome to the non-denominational church. Uh, if you're a guest with us, we are glad that you are here. Um, there are still going to be people that are going to be squeezing into the seats in between you guys. Today is Easter. It is, by a wide margin, uh, my favorite holiday of the year. And not for the eggs and not for the chocolate, although I am pro-egg, I am pro-chocolate. Um, if we run out of chocolate, let me know, you guys. I have a stash of chocolate. And as we run out, I'm just going to be throwing chocolate at children and grown-ups all morning long um, because Jesus, okay? Uh, today, as we are thinking about the Easter story, it's a story that if you've come to church often or if you grew up in the church, you know this story. So you're coming and you're thinking, okay, this is a story that I need to uh, see and hear again. But sometimes we turn off our minds, and as pastors, here's what happens Easter week. Um, we're sitting in our study, reading books by dead people from Europe, trying to prepare an amazing message. And then I thought, Lord, I just want to tell your story um, in the way that it's in my brain. I want, I want to try to open my brain so that people can see the story through your eyes, through my eyes. And I think that that will be a fun way to do it because I drink more coffee than all of you combined, and I'm excited to share the story that I'm calling today Behind the Scene, Behind the Scene of the Resurrection. And we're going to look at three people today as they are looking to Jesus. So let's pray and jump into God's Word. Father, today is a day we get to celebrate. Lord, today is a day where where your kids around this globe are jumping up and down, are singing, are excited, are recounting the story of when you sent your son to live the perfect life that we could not live, to die the death that we deserve to die, and to rise from the dead, proving his promises to be true. So Lord, today I ask that you would send your Holy Spirit into this place to change our minds, to grip and melt our hearts, to love you more, and to love others radically. Lord, let this be a day where people have lasting change and not just temporary change. Let this be a day where people find freedom who feel trapped. God, this is all for you. It's for your glory. Only you can send the fire, so I pray that you would do so. Light our hearts this morning. In Jesus' name, all God's kids said, amen. If you would like to follow along, we're going to be cruising through John chapters 20 and 21, but it's not going to be on the screen today, and you're going to see why in a second. Um, does, Does everyone remember what it felt like when Florida was cold five weeks ago? Okay. Um, I mean, it was the coldest winter by far that I've experienced in Florida. It was um, so cold that there were multiple days consecutively where I thought, I should find a jacket. And, um, and I need you to remember that feeling. Like if you took your kids to the bus stop uh, for school, there was a temperature, high 40s, low 50s, and all the Floridians were crying about it. But, but that would have been the temperature on the morning when, when this scene happened. Because there's someone named Mary, and she was the first to see. In the book of John, it says that on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene came to the tomb early when it was still dark. And it would have been around 50 degrees, high 40s, low 50s, median humidity. Now, I could just keep reading, but I, I need you to understand, like, how I think and see, so that the rest of the sermon will make more sense. So when I read something like this, it's dark. 
Um, so if you will indulge me, pretend like you're at the movies um, so you can take out the Coke you just smuggled and your candy that's in your purse and just like take a seat and, and just sip and watch it and think like this. Um, because the camera in this shot, it's, it's quiet and the camera's behind somebody and you only see their legs and, and there's trees and the sun is cresting over a hill and all you see is the flecks of green light as what the camera shows to be now a woman and it pulls up like a drone shot, you know, coming, oh, these kids do these drone things, pulls up and you see it's a woman. But it's not a woman like you see, like this year, a movie's coming out that's called Mary Magdalene, and they're going to cast someone from Hollywood that is just flawless, like you just ripped them out of a Vogue magazine and threw them in a Mary suit. But this woman was weathered, and as the camera pans around, you see the creases in her face, almost like they were etched in marble, but it was life. Life had taken its toll on this woman, and she was going there to to give something to her Savior's body. So she had these spices and the things that she wanted to do to honor Jesus, her Lord. And the camera swings around, and you see her face. And then the camera cuts to the side of a hill where there was a rock and there were guards, but now the rock had rolled open. And you see the expression on Mary's face of, of fear and confusion. And it's, it's 2,000 years ago, so she couldn't call anybody like, that video. So she thinks, I've got to tell somebody. They've taken him. They've taken, they've taken my Lord. It was Mary. And it was at that moment in the story, as the camera's going around her, is at that moment where you see her face close up, is that at that moment where the tears are building on her lower eyelid and you feel desperation coming across her, the camera whips to a flashback scene. You see, behind the scene of Mary, it's important for us to understand who she is. The Bible tells us that Mary was a woman who was possessed by spirits, and Jesus freed her from those. Now, you can pass over that if you want to, and you may say, well, I don't know if I believe in that. Um, At the very least, we have to understand that there was a darkness, there were addictions, and there were brokenness. Mary would have given her body um, to others in order to keep living. And the only thing we know about people who are covered in evil is that they are living in brokenness. The demoniac... In the gospel, it says he cut himself, and he was alone, and his clothes were torn. And in this cut scene of my movie in my brain, it goes from this empty tomb, and it whips back, and all of a sudden, there we see Mary. She was younger, you can tell, because life had not worn in yet. It was still fresh, and the cuts were still bleeding. Her clothes were tattered, and she was on the ground crying. Men and women were walking by, pointing at her, jeering saying, there's that woman, crazy woman. She sits here every day. She talks to herself. She can't keep anything together. And in the movie of my mind, as this woman is down sobbing and then talking to herself and and confused, a hand reaches into the scene, and then the camera pans up, and you see that it's Jesus. And he grabs Mary by the elbow and pulls her up and tenderly tells her, I'm going to free you today. And he speaks to the spirits within her and says, be gone. And for the first time in Mary's life, as an adult, now she begins to open her eyes and hear. And everything before that moment for Mary was muffled. The, the mocking was always muffled. And then all of a sudden, she just hears one thing. She hears people saying, Jesus did it again. And she looks up, and her eyes that were once rage-filled with brokenness, look to Jesus, and she sees someone who loves her. 
And Jesus smiled warmly and, and hugged her and held her. This is what's going on in my mind when I read the Bible. And then the camera whips back to the scene at the resurrection. Mary says, I, someone took this man who cared for me. I, I need you to understand today because the first behind the scene is Mary Magdalene. And, and I need you to know the first point today is that Jesus rose to free people who are bruised, bound, and broken. Jesus rose to show himself and to give himself to those who life has squeezed down. And I know that there are people in this room who right now are feeling pressed by the stresses of life. Maybe not to the extent of Mary, but maybe so. Some of you might feel trapped in something. Is there there something in your life that you feel is controlling you and holding you back from love and from freedom? The spectrum of, of evil and brokenness is wide. It goes from you know, just demonic forces or addiction or brokenness. And we've been talking about strongholds. Some of us today, we don't believe that Jesus would accept us because of what we have done. Some of us today are living with so much shame and regret in our past that we could not fathom a God who would actually love us to the point of sacrificing himself for us. I love that Mary is the first person to see the empty tomb. There's a very critical person of the early church named Celsus. And Celsus did not believe in Christianity because he said, why would I follow a religion where the first witness to the greatest miracle within their faith was a hysterical woman? Now, don't take offense, women. Don't tweet at me. If you want to email me, like I tell you every week, my email is revedwin at gmail.com. Is that correct? That's not correct. That's our youth pastor. It's funny to me. Some of you are, are thinking, I, 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 can't, I don't fit into Jesus' family. If Mary fits into Jesus' family, if Jesus would die and rise again for Mary, he would die and rise again for you, and he did, to set you free. It wasn't just this far away story. For Mary, it was the person who had held her and lifted her up. For Mary, it was the person who went to the streets where she was tormented and brought her out. And now when she sees Jesus, it's a woman whose testimony at this time was half as valued as a man's testimony. This is one of the reasons, actually, why um, people say, if you want to know if Christianity is made up, because people say, well, they made stuff up. They made up this book, and they wanted us to see this thing. Well, if you're making up a story in this era of history, the last thing you do is you make a woman the first witness, the eyewitness, the key witness to the greatest miracle of your faith. That was the last thing you would do. As a matter of fact, if you were going to change anything, because people say, well, the Bible's been changed, and I've read a lot of the old manuscripts, but what I don't get is if you were going to change the Bible, you would write this out. But they didn't. They kept it in because God wanted it in because it's what happened. Mary Magdalene was saved and was brought to the, to the tomb where she panicked. And then it says that she went to get the other disciples because she needs to have the guys. Like, where are the guys? Why aren't the guys here? So she runs in the book of John, and then she, she gets the disciple whom Jesus loved, which is John. That's the one in the famous painting that's laying on Jesus all the time. And then she gets Peter. That's the one who we always picture as a little more rotund with a beard. Um, And this is the passage 
why people think that Peter was more rotund, because it says the disciples begin running to the tomb when they heard the news. So now the camera whips over, and you see Peter, and he's, he's healthy. He's, that guy's been eating a lot of unleavened bread, okay? He's not gluten-free. And then John, John is like the first century equivalent of a crossfitter, just thighs for days, can run for miles. They start running. And it's one of those movie scenes, you know, where like in the comedy movies where they're running like this and then the big guy says i'll catch up to you and pulls a donut out of his back pocket you you know those scenes that's what i'm picturing in my brain because they're going to the tomb and john is just there he's like crossfitting he could do cleans when he's going and peter's like i'll be right there man i ain't fished in years i'm so tired says john got there and looked in the tomb and then the camera pans back around and then peter's there he's that guy from a baptist church with a hanky just dabbing the sweat because he can't even run across he's just i'm so tired And then Peter says, is it true? Is he gone? And John says, you need to work out, Peter. Your dad bod is really cute. No, he didn't say that. Um, But but John's, he's gone. The the body's not here. The linens are here. Uh, Where are the guards? The guards are supposed to be here. Did somebody take the body? What is going on? Did the enemies do it? We don't know what is going on. So they go. And and they know something's going on. We don't know what. Well, on the evening... The disciples are together, sans Thomas, and Jesus comes in and says, hey, I am risen. I, I wondered what it would have been like if it was in our era, like we watched this, this video, like he is risen, he is risen. How cool would it have been if Jesus had a Twitter account that wasn't run by like a 20-year-old follower of Jesus that lives in his parents' basement? It'd be so amazing, because that Jesus on Twitter is snarky Jesus. I follow him because it's fun. But if Jesus were here and we heard the news, we would probably be like Thomas, our second person behind the scene. Because Thomas wasn't there, and the disciples said, Thomas, I'm telling you, Mary went, and she saw it, and she came back and got us, and we went, me and Peter, Peter took like three minutes, I got there a minute and a half, and then it, it wasn't, and then Thomas said, no, I don't want to hear it. It's not, no, you guys, I'm not going to believe this unless I, unless I see it and touch it for myself. And this is where it gets really cool, fam. It said that the doors were locked and Jesus appeared in the room. So like on the list of things I can't wait to do when I get my new eternal body, it's walk through walls. That's up there. Like I want to meet Jesus. I want to have coffee with some of my best friends from this life. And then I'm going to hang out with Paul. And then I'm just going to start walking through people's walls. Just in the city of God. I'm just going to see who I could meet. Just walk through buildings. I don't know if I get to do that. I hope so. But Jesus walked in, and then he says, Thomas, um, hey. <laughs> and if we go back to my movie scene in my brain, the camera comes around, and, and it's, it's one of those scenes, you know, where someone's got a cup of coffee, like first century Jewish coffee, which is probably amazing. It's probably like Cuban Colombian blend or something. So Thomas is si- sipping it, and then, poof. And, you know, when they're sipping it and they're mid-sip in the movies and the coffee just... No. And then you check to make sure that you're not having, like, a delusion. You look at the other guys. Him, do you see? Do you see him? Do you, I see him. You? And then Jesus says, Thomas, come put your, put your hand right here. Like, if I had a hole in my hand, let me put this differently. Um, I go to coffee shops a lot. In coffee shops, there are people who do things to their bodies that I don't do to my body. I do a lot of things. I tattoo, whatever. What I don't do is the ear thing. Um, I get it. If you have it, no judgment. 
from most of you, but I'm judging somebody, okay? Um, but one of my coffee guys had the biggest ear gauges, okay? I, I, just huge. And I used to say, like, hey, is it weird? Like, does anyone ever just walk up and just be like, boop? <laughs> just, like, right through the hole, just boop. And he goes, no, no, no one would ever do that. So in my mind, I'm like, challenge accepted. <laughs> I've known you for a hot 45 seconds. I can do this. So he's, I'd get to know him. And one day, it just happens. Just <laughs> lean over too far, and I'm going to tickle the back of your neck through your earlobe thing. So, and I'm going to tell you, it was weird. <laughs> like, blow my mind. I don't know what it was like for him, but it was weird for me. I should have asked. That was probably too soon. Okay. But what's it like when some guy's got holes, like right here at the base of the palm, just a, a nail hole? <laughs> and he says, Thomas, you need proof? I got your proof. Not enough? The hole in my side can fit your hand. So he says, put your hand in here. It's what Jesus told Thomas. Thomas, put your hand in here. That's where I'm like, mm, no thanks. That'd be like if my barista, if I went, and he said, was that cool? You could lick through it too. Mm, no thanks. <laughs> Going to pass on that one. Okay, how, how much proof do we need? But that's the second point of today, and I'm just trying to keep this simple for us, is that Jesus rose to give credibility to the claims of his divinity. He wanted us to know, he wanted his early followers to know and to see and have a tangible experience. And some of you in here are like, well, I will not believe until I can put my finger in the holes in his hand. I will not believe until I can put my hand into his side because that's the kind of person I am. And if that is you, I am so glad you're here because at the chapel we love skeptics. At the chapel, it is okay to question. It is okay to doubt. And, and in case you don't believe me, I will just tell you from, from my heart, there are moments where as a pastor, someone who's been following Jesus now for 20 years, I've been in ministry for the majority of these years, there are some nights where, where I, th- I think, is this all real? Like a dude? Is this a and, and I'll tell you when those moments are, when I doubt and have questions. It's, it's usually when I, my prayer life has been suffering. Because if you catch me on my normal days where I'm just clinging to Jesus for dear life, you could not convince me otherwise that Jesus is Lord of Lords and King of Kings because, um, because of the way he's tangible in my life. And, and if you don't understand that, you may not know how that works yet, but when I, it's amazing that when I pray and then God does something and I pray and then God does something and it's not like he's a genie, it's that God is showing me in his word, pray for this, pray for that, and then he just moves in my life. If you tried to get me the majority of days when I'm solid with God to try to doubt God and be a skeptic of God, if you tried to throw some argument at me like, well, I don't think God exists. Well, to me in that moment, God exists so much I would be like, I don't think your mom exists. Like, God is more real to me than your mother is to you. And God has provided more for me than your mother did for you. And it's amazing to me when I get to live and rest in those moments. But just so you know, there are the other moments, the dark moments, the quiet moments, where I think, this is just wild. Like, we don't get to put our fingers in our hands. And Jesus even says... You believe because you have seen me, Thomas. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet believe. But if you're a skeptic, I'm glad you're here. If you're a skeptic, you can text in questions to me. 
You can text questions because starting with, with today, this week, we're going forward and we're going to be creating media and content to encourage you throughout the week. Answering the questions that you have, not the questions that we think you have as pastors and clergy and church people. And if, if you have so many questions you think I couldn't possibly ask them all in text, you can grab one of my business cards on the way out. You can text message that number. It will go to this phone right here. We can go hang out at Cool Beans or Foundation. Or if you're um, doing really well with your life, you can take me to Outback on that shrimp steak week they have. No, I'm just kidding. Don't do that. But we can sit and talk for as long as you want to talk because we love people who will ask the questions at the chapel. And Jesus rose to give credibility to the claim. And in case you, you want to ever know how to talk to somebody, so there's a quick acronym I'm going to teach you. FEET. Everyone say FEET. Okay, not these feet. F-E-A-T. Feet. Like an amazing feat that Jesus did. F. Fatal torment. People say the resurrection is not true. Well, the Romans knew how to kill people better than anyone in history, bar none. They knew how to take a life and end it. And the crucifixion was one of the most torturous ways to do it. That's F, fatal torment. E, empty tomb. The tomb was empty. A woman was the first witness, which you would have not done. But then it gets cooler because then there's appearances. Jesus appeared to over 500 people, including Doubting Thomas and probably many other doubters and followers. And, and the appearances are amazing because you could say, well, I talked to so-and-so and they saw it. And you could say, well, yeah, that makes sense a little bit. I, I get that. But why does that, what does that have to do for us? Like, how do we know that that's true? Well, then we look at the transformation. That's the T. The fact that the people who saw Jesus gave their lives for Jesus. So some people say, well, maybe they, they just all made it up. Would you die for something that you made up? Would you let somebody torture you for something that you totally fabricated in your mind? Or would you finally break in the midst of the torture and say, wait, 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 wait. I lied about that one. As they're doing the things that the Romans would have done to people that I won't say because there's children here. Well, Jesus rose to give credibility to the claims of his divinity. And then the last person is Peter. Oh, Peter. Everyone say, oh, Peter. <laughs> I love Peter. Average. We shouldn't call it Average Joe. Like when we talk about an average person, we call him Average Joe. We should call him Average Peter. Peter's the guy who walked on water. And after the resurrection, he saw Jesus in the house. He saw him again with Thomas. And then something weird happened. Peter didn't know what to do with his life when he stopped seeing Jesus every day. So it said he went back to go fishing. He said, guys, let's just go back to fishing. It's what we do. Now, Peter's the guy who walked on water, witnessed miracles like feeding of the 5,000, like blind people receiving their sight, witnessed miracles uh, like people being forgiven that the religious people wouldn't forgive. Peter wasn't a trained religious person. He was a fisherman, an ordinary guy who was being called into an extraordinary purpose. And in this scene of my movie, Peter's there with the boys, and he says, you know, I haven't seen Jesus for two days, you guys. Let's, let's just go back and fish. Let's just do it. And it's not fishing like leisure, like we did this for Bob Camp, and we were fishing, having the time of our lives. This is like we got to go make some money, okay? we got to find a job. So he goes back out fishing, and Jesus just calls from the shore. Now, when Jesus first saved Peter, first called Peter, Peter was out there fishing, and Jesus said, throw your net on the other side. And they did, and all these fish came. And then Peter was so excited to meet this guy who knew where the fish were because he's a fisherman. It'd be like if I told you today, hey, go invest in this. And then the next day it just blew up, which is why I didn't want to say Bitcoin because that just blew downward. 
It's like if I had all the index funds for some of you. If you do this, put $5 in tomorrow, millionaire. You're going to be Florida rich. You're going to be living in that mansion that's for sale on Boyette, (laughs) which I know like 30,000% of you have already gone on Zillow and looked at all the pictures. Yeah. So so Peter has that memory, and, and all of a sudden there's this guy. He says, hey, try the other side. And it didn't click in Peter's brain. Peter's the guy who has the foot and mouth syndrome. He doesn't think very much. And, and when they were fishing, they would have taken out their outer garments and been fishing in their undergarments. So Peter's like, well, there's some guy telling us maybe he can see something. They throw the nets, and they start to pull the fish again. And the camera goes up, and you see the fish flapping in the nets. And then all of a sudden, the light bulb goes off in Peter's head. You see him pulling the net up, and all of a sudden, he's thinking, oh, wait a minute. This has happened before. It's like the Matrix, but in real life. And as he's doing this, he realizes what's happening. It says he drops the net. He throws on his outer clothes so he doesn't swim mostly naked to Jesus. And it says he jumps to the water to go to shore. Now, this is a question I've always had in my mind because Peter has already walked on water at this point, right? Now, if you see Jesus and you're like, Jesus, he's back again. I can't wait. I'm wondering if he did. Like, you know the first summer when you were a kid, you're like 11 years old, like the Sandlot age era, Wendy Peppercorns in the lifeguard tower. And, um, and you know how you, you've heard some of these weird stories? And I think every kid, at least I did this, I would try to get like a running start in the pool to see if I could run on it. Am I the only one? I mean, literally, like, I will like slap my feet on it. And I'm like, I'm going to go. And it ends the same every time. I'm just like, ah, oh, chlorine, you know. And um, I picture Peter realizing it's Jesus, thinking, it's him. I'm going to get there fast, Jesus style. And he just jumps. And then the camera, like when his first foot hit, goes slow-mo. And it gives like, that triumphant, like, I'm going to do it again. No! And he goes down. But then he's swimming, clothed. I can't even... I've fallen in a pool once with shorts and flip-flops on. It felt like I was being strangled by an anaconda. It says Peter just gets to the shore. And Jesus is sitting there. <laughs> makes breakfast. That's how you know we serve a good God, fam. Because breakfast is the best meal of the day. And it wouldn't have been bacon. That's unfortunate for Peter because bacon hadn't been made clean yet. That's another sermon. Um, but, but Jesus says, hey, Peter. Um, do you love me? Peter says, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus says, okay, feed my lambs. And he says to him a second time, Simon, son of John, Peter, do do you love me? And Peter's, yes, Lord, I love you. I I followed you for three years. I I just tried to walk, swim to you from the middle of the sea. I love you. And then Jesus says it again. He says, Peter, do you love me? And then in that moment, in the scene in my head, the flashback goes into Peter's mind where the the camera zooms in fast into his face and then you see out the other side of just a few days before when someone said, aren't you one of the Jesus guys? And Peter said, no, no. And then another person said, aren't you one of those Jesus guys? And Peter says, no, no. I don't even know who you're talking about. And then he started cursing to throw people off the trail which is interesting. And then a third time, someone says, aren't you one of those Jesus guys? And Peter says, no. And then the rooster crowed. And Peter knew Jesus had told him, you're going to deny me three times. And now they're sitting, fast forward, uh, having breakfast on a beach. And the third time, Jesus says, Peter, do you love me? 
Peter says, I love you, Lord. And I think it was that third time where he realized what Jesus was doing. Jesus gave Peter a forgiveness that some of you need today. And the third point was that Jesus rose to give ordinary people an extraordinary purpose built on his radical forgiveness. If you deny Jesus three times, he will sit and have breakfast with you and invite you back in. If you've been struggling, broken to addiction and bondage and strongholds and strangleholds over your life, Jesus will lift you up and begin the healing process in your life. If you are a doubter and a skeptic, Jesus will sit with you and give you the reason that we have the faith. And it's not that faith doesn't exist, but Christianity is what is called a reasonable faith. But I think the one that really needs to be brought home is the fact that we don't, as followers of Jesus, and if you're not a follower yet, there's just just family talk, we don't trust the forgiveness of Jesus the way that it's talked about in the Bible. We just don't. The Bible talks about the sin being removed from us as far as the east is from the west. In Hebrews chapter 8, it's talking about the new promise of God, the new covenant. And in that it says, God will remember your sin no more. I don't think we think that way. That's why outside people look at church inside people and say they're hypocrites, they're judgmental, and I think it's because we haven't digested and ingested the forgiveness. No matter what you are going through, no matter what you are in the middle of, no matter what you will do, no matter what you have done, the holes in Christ's hand and feet and side will swallow it up forever. No matter what addiction you are in the midst of right now, Forgiveness is an endless ocean. You cannot outsin the death of Jesus on the cross. You cannot sin so much that God says, I'm, I'm, I can't cover that one. That's too bad for me to cover. And some of us in here still will walk out thinking that can't be true, that God doesn't remember our sins. And you might be the skeptical saying, well, I thought God was perfect. Now you're saying that God has amnesia? Kind of. Maybe a new word that sounds lame and Christian-y, synesia? I don't know. I don't know how it works. Maybe he's just saying, I don't look at their sin. But what I do know about God's word, what I do know about Jesus, is that he says, I have taken it all on me. He that knew no sin became sin for us, so that now we would be perfect, righteous, good. And some of you are thinking, I am married to a person who says they're Christian, and they are not good today. And I know. And my joke that I so often tell is that I'll walk through the parking lot and just see total rage go on out there. Like if you've got one point any children, or if you're married, I just see people every week. And that's why I'm like, hey, greeters, just stand back here by the doors so that you don't have to see the rage face. So that when people come in, they don't know that you didn't see them yelling at their kids. And, and in case you're thinking, like, I'm, I'm not exempt from this, right? I'm buying a larger vehicle, one, because we ran out of seats and we can't duct tape a kid to a car yet in Florida. It's not legal. But, um, but also because I just want to separate my children. Like, there's three families here this morning. They have literal, like, school buses. If you go in the parking lot, they're laughing because it's true. 
Um, like in the parking lot right now, if you just painted them yellow and put a number on them, they could pick up strangers, which would be a bad idea, but you could. Like, they're huge. I want one of those just to separate my children. I used to be the guy that was like, why would you give DVDs to your kids in the car? Then I had children. I'm like, why wouldn't you? Because I, I get it, it's crazy. This is the one place, though, where we should be able to come in and say, I am a mess. I need forgiveness. And God says, I was perfect, and I'll take your mess and give you forgiveness. This is what it means to be a follower of Jesus. So the scene ends now in my movie, in my brain, with the camera doing that circle around slow motion. Peter finally understanding forgiveness just crying with the the breadcrumbs in his beard and a fish in his hand, grateful, sitting in the sand. Thomas, the doubter, at the end of the movie in my mind, is sitting there, and he's just writing. He's writing, what am I going to do? What am I going to go? i got to go tell everybody because now I've seen it, now I've felt it, now I believe this with all of my heart. Thomas ended up traveling the furthest of all the apostles, and he died in India, and he's buried there today. And then Mary Magdalene, the woman, The person that God chose to be the first witness, the person who would have never been trusted, is now forever held up in Christianity. I mean, I wonder what she's thinking right now. Like, they're making another movie about me. Father, isn't that crazy? (laughs) And I don't know what God would say back, but I'm sure it's something like, yeah, but they cast it all wrong. Christianity is not the shiny thing that I think we want to present. I mean, I wore a jacket today, you guys. I usually only wear a jacket when people get married or when they die. But for Jesus, I did it today. But I don't want you to think that that we're a shiny church. We're a church where you can yell at your kids and come in and tell the children's ministry people, okay, I just yelled at this one. This one needs Jesus. There might be a demon in that one. (laughs) I'm going to go get coffee. Can you restrain them, please? That's the church we are. Or we're also the church where in the last year, um, multiple marriages have just been saved. Marriages that spouses thought is not going to make it. Children have been saved. On Good Friday, the first Good Friday service we ever had this past Friday, um, we lit candles up here to pray for people who needed Jesus. And um, a person who I got to talk to before, and I talked to them about Jesus, and they didn't seem like they were interested in Jesus, they got saved right there. Yeah, we're a church of messy people, and we're here today to celebrate the fact that he has risen. Uh, Let's pray. Father, I thank you. I thank you for the good God that you are. I thank you that you give us radical forgiveness. I thank you that you speak truth and reason for those of us in here who are by nature skeptical and doubters. Father, I thank you. Lord, I ask now that as we um, come to you today to do Easter egg hunts and family time, that we would remember that it is all about you. It's all for you. Make our lives this year lives that reflect your love and grace and kindness and radical forgiveness for weary, broken sinners like us. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.